This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. So that's the only scary part. It helps, you know, make my name look a little bit better, try to earn out a step on the scene. Working. And like, I just was like, yeah, this doesn't work. So it's just something that I'll enjoy as I do it. He's a lazy ass video. No. Welcome to Where Is My Mind, a deep dive into Curtis Rich. I am, of course, Curtis Rich, but soon in a couple days, actually going to be Curtis Rich Cannon. So I am not sure uh, whether I'm going to shorten the name or I'm going to add the cannon to the end of this name of the podcast. But welcome to Where Is My Mind, a deep dive into Curtis Rich. I'm, of course, Curtis Rich, as always. Uh, and this podcast is brought to you by OIW Podcast Network which you can find all the information about all the lovely podcasts over there at oiwpodcastnetwork.com and as well as the Johnners Podcast Network, which you can find at wrestlingwithjohners.com, more specifically wrestlingwithjohners.com slash whereismymind for all of your Where Is My Mind content. But um, this episode is a little special to me um, due to the fact that it was my first anime um well, not really even just anime, but just panel in general for a convention. And uh, I, well, not so much me, but Gilmy Talks uh, ended up recording the entire panel. But it's basically based off of New Japan Pro Wrestling and as well as Deathmatch Wrestling. So it's a very interesting read. Uh, I was going to say read. A very interesting listen. Um, it's a very great, great episode. Uh, I'm very proud of this. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to let you all shut up. And um, due to this being my wedding week, uh, no plugs. So uh, you're getting all your plugs now. Uh, check out Furry Yoga, uh, cause the, my Furry Yoga program, which is my program I do uh, with yoga, of course, uh, in Barrie, Ontario, with uh, my guest, Mutsi. And uh, we show the power of yoga and uh, all the benefits that it can go. And as well as uh, OIW Genre and Genre's Podcast Network, thank you for hosting once again, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let the episode play and then uh, you, I'll come back at the end and uh, give plugs and more stuff like that. So, hope you enjoy. Because, all right, introductions. Myself, I am Justin Gilmet. Um, I do a podcast called Gilmy Talks and I am also known as the podfather of the OIWpodcastnetwork.com. Um, yeah, and... This would be Curtis. He's supposed to be leading this. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Curtis. Uh, you all probably know me as Ontario Gumby around here or Fuzz Buttons. Um, I do a podcast called Where Is My Mind, where I interview wrestlers and athletes. And uh, yeah, that's, that, that's essentially me. Uh, hey, what's going on, guys? I'm Jesse Amato. I've been an independent wrestler for how long now, Justin? Like 20, I met you in 2013, 2012, when you were doing the... Yeah, uh, so about <laughs> 10 years, is, probably like probably 10, 12 years, somewhere in yeah. there. Um, I've actually wrestled at Anime North a couple times. It's one of my favorite bookings, and honestly, I'm not like a huge anime fan, but there's just something about this community that, like, it's pretty cool, man. Like, I love that you guys all band together, and thank you all for coming out. So, yeah, and I, I, I just want to say thank you, Jesse, for, for coming out and joining us. Oh, no worries, man. Okay, so you forgot uh, Brian. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian, also known as Curse uh, and Creations. I uh, am Gilmy's uh, public relations. Beautiful. All right. So you're here. So you're here about the history of Japanese wrestling. So um, we're actually going to uh, kick it off with Ant- Antonio Anoki and. Because he is the, and of he course is the, the first one. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. We apparently had slides, and then the screen just locked on us. Yep. <laughs> so, 
Antonio Anoki. Password. Try that. Password. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna laugh. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not that lucky. I'm not that lucky. <laughs> um, Antonio Anoki was the first Japanese wrestler that really made a splash on the world scene, and it was because he had the first. First legit MMA fight against Muhammad Ali. And people have been watching this fight for years. And it's, in my opinion, it's not a great fight, but it is the first MMA fight where two different styles clash. It was a boxer versus a, uh, a wrestler. Yeah, and I think he did one of the smartest things he could possibly do, ride on his back and just tried to uh, kick him. Where Ali is just kind of standing with his gloves going, what do I do here? And that was really, really cool. Um, another one who actually made it to the world stage was Giant Baba when he created All-Star All Star Wrestling. At around the same, around the same time as New Japan started started up so there was always a conflict between those two guys like all-star would bring in andre the giant in the 70s where anoki would bring in the nwa guys and just huge conflict and eventually all-star just kind of went down and new japan took over and is one of the top three promotions in the world right there now i would i, I would say definitely on the global scale anyway oh yeah, yeah definitely. i mean Anoki was a genius, and he still is a genius, and that match alone that he had with Muhammad Ali, like, it was one of those things where it's that age-old question of who would win, and at that time, mixed martial arts wasn't really a thing. He didn't even see, like, say, I don't know, Jeet Kwon Do versus Karate, like, that wasn't even a thought then, so the idea of having a professional wrestler versus a boxer was just so new and fresh. I mean, today you think about something like that, it's kind of like, oh yeah, whatever, it happens all the time, you watch UFC or whatever, but to be that cutting edge really helps to solidify Jap uh, Japanese wrestling in a sense of being more so as a sport other than entertainment, and that's a big difference between the two. Yeah. So, that's my contribution. Oh yeah, <laughs> and this is why, 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 why I brought you. Some of the... When I say New Japan Pro Wrestling, yes. what are some of the champions that you guys think of? Shoot, yeah, just yell. Oh, oh. Yep. Yeah, he, he was the guy who led New Japan through the lean years, brought it back to what it is today. And we just saw Tanahashi versus John Moxley, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? An absolute dream match for any wrestling fan. I have been a Moxley fan for years. I am a... I'm a fan of all wrestling, whether it's Jesse's favorite uh, style, deathmatch, or comedy, or hardcore, strong style. Don't know if I said that. But I pretty much love all wrestling in everything it does. And like, here are some of the champs. Kazook, I will mess up this guy's name and just call him Okada. Um, <laughs> Uh, Brock Lesnar. Vader is a four-time New Japan champion. Vader was huge. Yeah, they were huge. Him and Stan Hansen, like, I don't know, how versed are you guys in Japanese wrestling? Not very. Enough. It's okay. All right, picture two, like, almost 400-pound dudes hitting each other in the head so hard that one of their eyeballs pops off. Yeah, and it just pops it back in the match. Oh, I didn't know that was against Stan Hansen. I knew that happened to him, but yep. it, I yeah. didn't know he was facing yeah, yeah. Hansen. because uh, what people don't know, Stan, Stan Hansen could barely see. He was legally blind. So when he was throwing those lariats at people, he was seriously trying. This is the Japanese style. They go out yeah, there. Sure, yeah. I'm legally blind almost too. It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I almost jumped out of my chair. I know what he's done. Um, <laughs> but like. The strong style of Japan is it is taken very seriously. Nobody over there thinks it's fake. It's a legitimate sport. And over here, people use, use that word, which I really dislike, but I say it's predetermined, it's art, it's theater, it's a stunt show. 
to me, that's what professional wrestling is. And it tells a fantastic story. And I've been a fan of it since the the Hulk the Hulkamania days way back way back when. That's when I first first uh, started. And you but, still, we circle back to it. Yeah, when we talk about please. the Hulkamania days, like everyone always, like everybody in this room probably knows Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys are you guys aware that people typically say that Hulk Hogan is pretty shitty at wrestling? Yeah. His matches with Anoki are unreal good. Yeah, it's a whole different yeah. ball game. Like honestly, if you haven't done it, YouTube Hulk Hogan versus the Tony and Loki, you'll be blown away at the work rate that Hogan can actually go at. And that's because of how much it stepped up in Japan. Because it's seen as a sport. Even Hulk Hogan, the American hero and Ultimate Lady guy, has to step. He up. stepped up and actually looked like a completely different animal. So anyway, yeah. no, continue. Sorry, no, no. I want you to jump in. <laughs> I so I read no notes, so like this is all winging it. I apologize yep. in advance. Uh, he he got stuck in traffic, guys. He showed up five minutes before the panel. Maybe. Yeah, legitimately. Um, yeah. So some some of the other notable champs with Okada, Tanahashi, Ricky Ricky Chosen Cho, Chosen Choju, Ricky mm-hmm. Ricky Choju, one of my favorite yeah. guys. Like the great Muda who's still wrestling oh at... Oh my he's amazing. And he is one of the best wrestlers on, like over here in North America, wrestlers kind of taper out at what, 35, 40? Yeah, And Relatively. Yeah, uh, there's, and there's guys in Japan who are still going in their 60s. Yeah, like, and at a high level. Yeah, it's not like uh, they're just phoning it in, like Minoru Suzuki, and he, I know he's, he's in his 50s and he's, one he's of still, the top draws right now. I mean, you know, honestly, he's a legitimate badass too. Like, he's just one of those guys. Like, a lot of these guys, even like, kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit, like, as a performer, being in a room with some of them, like, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm a guy that, like, I wrestled in barbed wire and broken glass, and I'm terrified what these guys would do to me. Because I'm just like, man, like, this is in their blood that much, and has that much respect, and like, you just don't want to slip up around them. And you know why? There's nothing against them. It's awesome. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, it, it's a whole different ball game over there in comparison oh, yeah. to us over here. And like, it's like you said, really, uh, a lot of people tap our opera around like 35, 41. Um, unless you're like staying and you're fucking insane. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, jumping off a building. Let's go off a balcony. Let's just go off a balcony every week. Yeah. 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 Watch this watch. Yeah. yeah. the bad influence on it. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like, that's very, like, few and in between around here, but, like, over there, it's, like, that, it's, it's not only really respected, um, it's, it's really commonplace over there, like 62. How old was how old was Liger when he did his retirement? Oh my God! Um, I know Liger was in he's his. In, he's in his fifties. Yeah. Yeah, he was in his late fifties when he had his his last match. I think he was fifty-seven. 50, yeah, I, I want to put it in that ballpark too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was fifty-seven, fifty-eight years old. Like his last couple years, they're hiding him pretty well, mind yeah. you. Like full disclosure, like he's in a lot of multi-mans where he didn't have to carry the full front of the workload because it means doing what he's done, like revolutionizing the whole idea of the cruiserweight, like heavyweight style where you're constantly flying off the top ropes, diving to the floor, like it takes a toll on your body. Like I don't do that, my body hurts. I'm thinking about it. Um, I think the only time you ever saw him do singles matches for the last couple of years in his career was with like indie scene. America side, like yeah. that was it, and there were small shows. Last one um, I remember was honestly for NXT. Yeah, no, actually for real, that, that, that was that NXT takeover Brooklyn. Yeah, and people don't understand that Liger, uh, Juicin Thunder Thunder Liger, was in on the first WCW Nitro ever. Like that's how long this guy's been act- actively wrestling, and he was wrestling before that in Japan, becoming the one of the top in the world. And if he was, I'd say... Based off an anime character, just saying she's pop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tiger Man. And then there's been other, some other notable champs like Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, Kenny, Kenny Omega, like Shinsuke Nakamura, Naito. Like, all these guys can definitely carry 
a promotion by themselves, but they're all in New Japan wrestling. Even that split of champions, like it's, it's kind of goes to show you the world respect. Because you would think, like, if you look, think about like American wrestling, think of all the U.S. champs, and you look at in Japan and you see like this huge melting pot. It's almost like very equal of where they're coming from parts of the world because they're really looking to put that belt on the best in the world at that time. Doesn't matter where you're from or who you're from. No discrimination, nothing. And that's what makes honestly pure wrestling and Japanese wrestling a beautiful sport. Not only that, you have some people like Omega who went there who were like completely uh, just lost in the shuffle and then they get one simple switch into their character and it literally takes off their entire career. Now he's just one of the biggest people to talk about and literally in like 2011, 2014 time, it was not the case like that oh, at yeah. all. It was, a, it was only until he literally got the G1 uh, that people were taking him seriously. And then Bullet Club happened and just yep. everything spiraled from there. So it's like, um, Japan I feel is like great for not only just building stars, but reinvigorating some of those. Yeah, so. even um, like you wouldn't think a little Irish guy would lead the number one faction in the entire world. And when Finn, Finn Balor, or Prince Devitt, there we go, <laughs> thank you, was the number one guy in New, in New, New Japan, I'm pretty sure he's never actually won a title. Yeah, but, no, he, he was, um, he was. He was kind of like a mid Carter just in yeah. the in, in the UK scene, like a lot of ICW and just uh, like just not really being used properly. But then, yeah, like I said, you said he literally goes over to Japan and he creates one of the biggest factions. Oh, yeah. uh, which we can—that's probably a good way to segue into that. Which, uh, yeah, he he's one of the original creators of Bullet Club, and Bullet Club now today is one of the biggest factions in the world. So. Yeah. You see Bullet Club merchandise everywhere, like... On Air Curtis? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, like, what's that store in the mall? Uh, Hot Topic. Top top that's the one that carries Bullet Club time. stuff. Like, and that's actually kind of new. You haven't really seen a lot of, like, that Japanese pro wrestling culture cross the pond, so to speak, until Bullet Club. Like, yeah. there's always been kind of, like, a known for it and a bit of a respect for it, but it was kind of very niche. And then Bullet Club was the first Japanese wrestling contribution to like a global pop culture. Well, it's because it's because you had like people like the Young Bucks that really actually like thought about business first, and they're like, okay, how do we expand this out out of Japan into stores? Like they were the ones that really kicked that hot topic deal off, and then it just it spiraled from there. So it's like, yeah, no, Bullet Club is just like huge they were very big innovators uh for not just japan but for the entire industry and just literally getting um people more eyes on new japan like there's a lot of eyes on new japan but definitely what they did for not only bullet club but new japan they 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 really made them really popular over here and it's like jesse says you can't go anywhere without uh, without running into Bullet Club merch or someone too sweet in you, or just it's yeah. it's it's insane. And there's and the, that's also the big thing about Japanese wrestling. Every single person is in a faction of some kind. Like you're either in Suzuki Goon or you're a member of Bullet Club or the Boston new one United Giants. United Empire or Naitos, which I will mess up the name. Yeah. In does does anyone know how to properly properly say Naito's faction in core? Yeah, that. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. See, that's why I couldn't get it out. <laughs> that's all I heard. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the reason for the factions in Japanese wrestling—they're very big in. They're very big into tag team, six man, eight man. If you're working a Japan, if you ha are on tour with a Japanese Japanese wrestling company, the thing is, it's going to be working every single night. Whether it's a tag team, a six man, one on one, you're going to be having a match. There's no sitting in the back for catering at 
as a Japanese tag, tag matches yeah. are, are the singles matches of Japan. Yep. Like literally oh, yeah. for how many one on ones we get over here, over there it's just as many for tag teams. So well, that was a very big Mexican influence on yes. Japan, which is a very tight correlation between Mexico and the Lucha Libre and Japanese and Pirelessu. So Oh yeah. And because the luchadors are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, in Japan, the whole super what, what is it? Uh, super heavyweight, sorry, yep. super juniors. Um, they innovated that style and brought it to the forefront with guys like Muda and Jushin Thunder Liger coming over, coming over to America and doing all that. Um, it spawned the whole guess like indie revolution today happened in Japan in like 1989, yeah. 1990. You know what yep. I mean? So like, really, like, people like to say that. North America's advanced, but no, we're actually pretty far behind if you kind of think about it. So, well, I mean, like the thing is, is, is even Japan has given us some of like Western's best tag teams nowadays. Like you, you think about uh, tag teams like nowadays within New Japan. Like you think like Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. You think the Young Bucks. You you'll think like there's so many tag teams. Yeah, Rapongi yep. Vice. Like there's so many. Um, there's so many tag teams that have come out of Japan that are now big over here, and it's because of what they did over there and literally uh, transcending tag team wrestling. And it's like, I feel like Japan was, over the last few years, has been that big resurgence for uh, the Western audience as far as uh, tag matches go, because now we just get killer tag matches like almost on a weekly basis now. And yeah. that, even, even when I was a kid, like that was something I never would have even imagined. Like, like, <laughs> right now, how how many title belts does FTR have? Oh my God! Um, so three, four, oh, three. Yeah, they 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 have three. They have yep. three. So they have the um, they have the AAA tag. They yep. have the New Japan's, and they have they have ROHs. So, it, I wouldn't be surprised within the next couple months if they go over to uh, go go over to NWA and take their titles as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're just going to Ultimo Dragon with them and just literally get every single tag belt on top of FTR. Yeah. That's how bad for AEW like belts, but in fact, they've been the number one contender for like three months now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why the. Sorry, the contract, they give you the strap. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it just, uh. F, in my opinion, FDR is probably the best tag team on the planet right now. They are. They are. Yeah. They are amazing, and I think it was a very good decision uh, to put the belts on them. Which that can make a segue into Forbidden Door, which yep. that talks us now about modern day uh, Japanese wrestling and how now it's completely uh, taking over the American scene. And oh, yeah. uh, and Forbidden Door was probably one of the funnest. Uh, pay-per-views I have watched in years um, honestly one of the best like collaborative uh, like New Japan Western shows I've ever seen just because just everything was just boxing and it was properly. dream match after dream match after, after dream, dream match, match. and, and delivered yeah and, and, and just, not only did they give you dream match after dream match they delivered like Jesse said so it's like uh, you couldn't have asked for a better pay-per-view like it any of you haven't seen AEW Forbidden Door, I know not everyone is an AEW fan. Um, do yourself a favor and actually, like, when you go home, watch that because the the download. I won't tell on you. That that show is revolutionary, not only for New Japan but for Western, and like it really shook things up here and showed uh, how to do dream matches. So, um, yeah, like I'll just bring up the one match. Will Osprey versus Orange Cassidy? Oh, I thought personally, guys, I thought that match would be the bathroom break match of the entire card. Same. Yeah. It surprised me. I was happy. It was one of the matches of the night. It was probably the best match on that card, and I didn't think that their two styles would match in any way, shape, or form because. If you guys don't know, Orange, Orange Cassidy is a guy, basically, wrestles like this. Yeah. <laughs> Which, he's and nuts. He's insane. He, he just wrestles with his hands in his pockets, doing hurricane ranas, and just flying through, through the air, and then best finishing move of all that is in wrestling right now, he has the orange punch. He just 
he just whack, backs up, punches a guy, and the match is done. Yeah, mine takes the hand out of the pocket. Yeah. But to bring that full circle, like, why that was surprising, it really shouldn't have been surprising in a sense, why it was, was match of the night. Um, that's all about Japanese wrestling and how it's really kind of stand, come from from birth. Like, I would definitely pinpoint that Inoki versus Ali was like the genesis of Japanese pro wrestling as it comes to be. Yeah. And like you have such a counter style, and you have like what's gonna happen. It makes you, it makes the audience, whether they want to or not, suspend their disbelief to see how this goes. And that's where the magic of it happened. The the one match that actually surprised me at Forbidden Door was uh, Lance Archer's match. Oh yeah. I didn't think that match was actually gonna be as good as it was, and mm -hmm. it was a pre-show match. And usually I don't watch the pre-shows for. Uh, Pay-per-views like I'll miss. Sometimes I'll miss like a good match and I'll go back to it. Uh, but I don't really check out the pre-shows. But uh, for for Ben Dora, I actually sat through the entire pre-show and I enjoyed every single match in it. So um, for me, Lance Archer was actually the surprise for, for yeah. Ben Dora. I thought he did really well against Nick. So because um, you don't really think a six foot eight tall guy with a his quote unquote her haircut the the murder hawk. That's basically yes. one one entire red braid down uh, to about I here. I think of Looney Tunes every time, unfortunately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Forbidden Door was, I think, Japanese wrestling is coming to North America. The actual style is going to take over more. And yeah, it already has. Like arguably, oh, oh, yeah. WWE's been notorious for hating tag team wrestling, and their tag team wrestling is on point right now. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that is that Japanese influence. I mean, it's no oh, secret yeah. that they brought over a lot of guys that have had success in Japan, and they kind of kickstarted that. And they almost taught the WWE and how to build proper tag teams now. Yeah. I'm sure those guys have moved on. They left, like whatever. This is stupid because they couldn't take it because they know what it's supposed to be like, and they've been there and they lived it. Um, but we're seeing that now in these next coming up and coming teams and these factions, like it, it's very Japanese influenced and it's everywhere. Like you can point your fingers on any point of pro wrestling, like from Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns to what they're doing with like the lighter guys to the tag team division exploding to AEW just throwing it in your face, Forbidden Door, New Japan, they're here. Um, yeah, it's just everywhere, and honestly, like it is probably the new foundation of pro wrestling is now that Japanese base. And it's so. and it's funny because like years ago there was a whole bunch of people that were questioning whether that was going to happen when uh, Nakamura and AJ Styles left for WWE. Um, that was a real blow to New Japan, and there was a lot of people that were worried that New Japan wasn't going to be able to recover from that. Yeah. And they literally recovered within months, not even. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, because they just basically put the put the rock into Omega at that point. Honestly, like, yep. they have that philosophy where, like, they don't care what you've done. They don't care what people say about you. If you're damn good at what you did and you didn't piss them off inside of their borders, they will take that chance and they will give you the shot and they will say, look, we only want the best. And that just stimulates giving the best and that stimulates changing how things are done and at the same time a lot of people that might have been an asshole at some point in their lives that goes over there they get a gut check and they learn some shit you know what i mean you see a lot of guys they don't really go to japan they can come out of japan they come back to america and they're just like complete dicks still they're they've stepped it up like not only on the professional but on the personal side too like a respect is respect in Japan, and you have to have it. If you don't have it, you're not going to make it, no, no matter what you do. And that's a really cool part about that culture. Um, and it's good for half these guys that go over there with an ego and they get that check. Because, like, there's no question that, yeah, you're good, but you need that governor. And the Japanese style and that Japanese learning system and that learning tree and, like, having to go through, like paying the dues that you don't have to do over here anymore. It, it, it changes people in a, such a good way. And I'm honestly, like, as a performer in this business, I'm happy and ecstatic that the lineage and the teachings from 
Japan is actually making it over and starting to matter to a lot of the guys coming up. It's you're starting to see in like a lot of the new teachers in the schools are instilling those values into the next up and coming group of talent. Um, so like as much as it's changed now, I'm excited to see how it's going to be in the next 5, 10, 15 years when you see those values really driven home a second time from these multiple generations now. Yeah, and it's long overdue. Wrestling sucked for the longest time. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I mean, it was a yeah. whole... Boring. It was high school. Yeah. It was high school drama in the back. It was high school drama being presented to you, which, I mean, it's okay in certain regards, but... If you can't get along backstage, and you can't act like the adult that you are, how do you expect your product to be sustainable and good? Um, and that's what New Japan, more specifically, has really done, is they've gone through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, but they've always survived, and they've always stayed on the world stage. Um, and that's a fact that often goes undiscussed, I think. Yeah. Um, they're very adaptable and they're very good at basically knowing where the industry is going to go five, ten years ahead of time, and that's what they've constantly been doing. Death matches, for example. Death, yeah. matches. Death matches are huge over here, and you see everyone trying to someone's attempt to die it. over here. Yeah, right? someone's going to die eventually. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe Sting, because he keeps doing things that uh, he shouldn't be doing at 65 years old. I don't, know. I don't see old. Sting any powerbomb on a board of knives. Yeah. Hey, just gonna gonna throw this to the to the to the floor. Have you ever had an actual question to ask a deathmatch wrestler, guys? Because he's sitting right there. Yeah, like Jesse right here. Yeah. Has he's, to he's been. Spit out whatever. He's been ask in away. King of the Death Deathmatch with IWS uh, YouTube IWA, video. Yeah. Of, sorry. I did IWA. I, death proof. I, 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 I death proof. He I has did. videos with like two million plus views on YouTube. Yeah, please. Uh, I just want to ask real quick. How, how intense is a death match compared to a regular like no holds barred match where you have like you can drag like weapons into the ring and stuff? Um, a real answer to that is pretty intense, but it all depends on how the wrestler is taking it because I find in a lot of Deathmatch wrestling today has become basically a glorified jackass contest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the one that happened at WrestleMania. <laughs> right? Not that one, but yeah, pretty much. Like, more like the WrestleMania if it had the Dudesons instead. Okay. Um, but me personally, I like to bring in a lot of psychology. I like to think about what we're doing and tell that story and bring a story aspect <laughs> to a deathmatch to make it even more intense. So I think for some guys, it's just another day of being an idiot. So it's not really that much more intense. And they probably find a more intense time working a guy that has a really big work rate, you know what I mean? And be like, oh my God, like I'm just known for getting punched in the head and jumping a barbed wire. But there's also a handful of deathmatch guys that could actually go. And those are the ones that would probably tell you that the deathmatch would be even more intense because they're trying to bring that element out. And when you bring that element out surrounded in barbed wire and sharp shit, um, it's just gonna make that, have that intensity even more. Like I just did a no rope barbed wire deathmatch. We did like a whole build for three, for three shows going into it. Um, and that was kind of the end result of that, of being more story driven, is like you had the intensity, you felt, you felt the buzz, the proverbial electricity, yeah. it worked. And it's because of the barbed wire, not so much the story. But the story, without the story, the barbed wire would have just been like, okay, cool, these guys are idiots, let's have a drink and watch you morons. But no, they're captivated, and that's kind of the difference. Does that answer your question? Yeah. You over there. I do have one out of. Everything that you might have done, is there any like bump or weapon shot that you take that you're like, oh, I never want to do that again? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> and can I answer this one? Sure. Brainbuster. Brainbuster. <laughs> yeah, okay, let me set the tone here for you. I was yep. on a boat, 25 foot balcony with a soda. I, again, I wasn't joking when I don't have a basketball, I can't see where shit. Um, we set up a table ahead of time. I knew like I was gonna go over the balcony through the table. The problem is, is while he's standing up here waiting for me to charge at him, he's gonna like throw me over. I fucking forget what side of the table's on. Oh, oh no. it's on the left or the right. <laughs> Number one. Oh, no. mm -hmm. I guess right. Don't worry. It was cool. 
And that, but this comes into like the worst thing that I did. I would hit the table, whatever, go through Asperger's, cool, no problem. Tell it, holy shit, holy shit. Um, then he comes down, because now this is a big break. He's gonna come down after like two minutes and pin me, and I don't just go, eh, I look like a bitch. <laughs> I got him kicked out, like kicked out, then he's gonna do the brain buster. Stupid me didn't even process that he's doing the brain buster on the concrete floor. So my tire is spying, and then he's like, kick out. I'm like, what? <laughs> Kick out again. I'm doing it again. Like, no! <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> the match ended there, but this was two shows that day. This was the afternoon show. We're doing a rematch that night. We're doing the Taipei death match where we have our hands taped up. And we dip them in glue and we stick them in broken beer bottles and we have a fight. <laughs> so there, I, like, I was wrecked. My back was done. But... Because of that match, I regret nothing. It kind of put me on the map and got me outside of Canada into the States. I got to do the King of the Death match. I got to travel around. I got to go to Mexico. I got to go across Canada and just doing what I love. And you know what? It's the greatest fucking decision of my life. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, that's good. I do have another one if you're willing to answer. Yeah, go ahead. Good luck. From doing stuff like that, have you ever watched somebody else, whether it be in any other promotion or live, that you watch them like, okay, that that was stupid. Like, you just watch him do a bump. Like, did you have to do it like that, though? That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, anytime I, there's a Facebook group, um, Murder, Death, Kill Club, that should be your first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching half of the bumps, like my, my favorite one that happened recently, so right out this thing. You go, you nice. go. Um, my favorite thing recently was uh, I was watching some indie show, and then that, it blew my mind. Like, I said, I said this one for the I wish I was on the wall to watch him plan this spot. <laughs> Buddy goes, I want you to light my crotch on fire. And then hit me with a weed whacker, which like, cool, whatever. However, none of these idiots that had the forethought to be like, we need water. <laughs> so he's on fire, like, ah, I'm on fire. Gets hit with a weed whacker, and then there's like, shit, I'm actually on fire. <laughs> what does he do? He runs through the crowd. Like this. <laughs> now imagine my pants were on fire and just running through here looking for water. Blows my mind. Like, like I just wanted to be there and be like, wait a minute, is nobody nobody's thinking like who's letting you do this? There's people around listening to this conversation go like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> anyway, yep. that's definitely the most recent one that I could think of. Anything where they're power bombing each other on scissors and knives and stuff, like, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. Um at some point, like I said, it's becoming like a glorified jackass competition. Someone's going to actually die in vampire. Everything you just built was for nothing because somebody's an idiot and nobody's paying attention. Um, so, like, there's definitely like, the two sides of the coin. I love deathmatch wrestling, but there's got to be something. There's got to be some sort of balance in there. Like, where's too far? And does somebody have to die before we find it? Like, we got brains. Let's use them. Yeah. What's your take on uh, ECW when Paul Heyman was running it before WWE? ECW is a game changer. Paul Heyman is probably the greatest line of pro wrestling I've ever met. Um, a lot of what they did in the 90s and the extreme and everything else was on point and where it needed to be. Um, and the thing that they were doing then was perfect. I mean, he could put that kind of stuff on television. Yeah, he got stuck on the wrist or whatever. But, like, it was fine in a sense. And, like, that was the perfect line. And this is kind of where, like, today it's kind of gone way too far. Because then all of a sudden you have ECW goes away. And it wasn't because the product was shit. It's because they were shit at business. You know what I mean? Um, Paul E. was able to make something out of nothing. These are a bunch of guys that look like me and they're like on a global stage and people are buying into them. They I mean after they pulled it, they all got jobs. Most of them did. One that had feet. Um, <laughs> 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 but 
if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a lot of today. And I mean, we could even circle it back and say that a lot of it has also changed the, basically, Paul Heyman set the tone for the adoption of the foreign styles in America. Which as we all know, America is very much USA first. And that was a big thing, a big turning point. And that's where like, pro wrestling almost brings culture to the United States and to North America, which is a very rare thing to be able to do. At least do it in a proper way that's not like super Americanized and watered down. I mean, it is a little bit. That's just how it works. Broken telephone at that point. But if it wasn't for Paul bringing in those Japanese talent, bringing in those Mexican talent, and then having this whole sideshow circus of hardcore, the bar bar and the tables, and like anything goes in this wild atmosphere, the whole idea of anything happening in pro wrestling, if that didn't happen, it would have died. You know what I mean? Um, and Paul was very good at finding that balance and putting on a perfect show. Like, one of the most strangest things, even today, you don't see it very much. The world title match came somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Little things like that, that if you try to do that today, you'll get so much heat. It's like, you can't do that. It lessens it. Paul does it, no problem. Because, you know what? He's that smart. It makes sense. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. This is Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> So there was a big controversy when I think a couple of AEW female wrestlers did the, the hardcore definition of cutting and bleeding and everything. And it was a big controversy that women shouldn't do this, women shouldn't do that. What's your opinion on that? Should they, women should do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I have. Um, I'm just gonna gonna step in. I have seen Jesse wrestle intergender matches, and one of the girls I know hits harder than most guys that he's been in the ring with. So. I've also done a hardcore match with my ex fiance at the time. Till <laughs> <laughs> death match do us part. <laughs> you said someone's bound to die. I think that always happens. Uh, yeah, me. <laughs> You know, I, I had to give her DET through a picture and tell her how much I hated it. Then she picked up a plunger and she actually clocked me in the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually, we're wrestling for insane clown posse at the time. Yep. <laughs> Makes so sense. So this is all at like 2 in the morning. And you can only imagine what's like the gathering of the juggalos. <laughs> Anyways, funny story about that though. I might cross a little bit of the line, but that was like, I adopted the Crepper Cross case as my finish here. But, for whatever reason, this is ICP. There's some dude in the front row, man, nothing with these standings at Chris Benoit. I'm coming to the front I got I'm twisted, I have to do it. I put her in a pepper crossing. <laughs> the entire place erupts, starts chanting just on Nancy. Oh. Oh. That's what I said. Yep. That's what I said. <laughs> and here's the even crazier part. This fucking video gets 50 million fucking views. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly I'm booked everywhere for this crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, uh, <laughs> oh. if you want to talk about regret, there was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I... It had nothing to do with the barbed wire. It had everything to do with the fact that some guy convinced me because I seen a picture of somebody. Yeah. I have no excuses. Anybody else? Big I wanted to ask with, um, so like, we see thumbtacks a lot like everywhere now, and I just kind of wanted to ask like how bad thumbtacks are like compared to like, like we see them everywhere all the time, it kind of, and it almost like lessens it, but also like I'm not sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pipe in and say pulling them out of your shoes after going to a deathmatch show for three days after is kind, kind of a pain. <laughs> oh, well, I did get them out. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> honestly, thumbtacks at first time is more of a shock. Kind of like jumping into a cold pool. Except this cold pool is going to suck in about five seconds. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're just like, ah, and then they get like, these little parts in here. And, then you try to get them out, but like, look, I can't reach everywhere. <laughs> so then I get slammed right away again, again, again. Um, but I will say, Legos hurt more. Right. Oh, no. You've been going with Legos? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, God. I, I did Legos for a PG show. This is the funny part. The PG show. 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 The
No, the Legos hurt more. <laughs> but yeah, the Legos are not dinky cars. I don't know what <laughs> oh, and if people want to see you wrestle, where, where can they actually see you in Etobicoke? In Etobicoke, yeah, right, that's here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I work for a company called New Frontier Pro, or another rock pile. Um, a lot of what this company does is very much kind of like this, like, very edgy, very, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> the best sense possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, it under, like there's an understanding that wrestling is kind of goofy, it's kind of silly, and it's kind of what makes it fun. But then there's also these other aspects of the sporty aspects, or like shit that you can't fake. Um, and it's a huge amalgamation of all that, and it's kind of cool. Um, from what I've heard, there's a lot of things going up. It's going to be televised shortly. I can't really speak too much more on that. Um, but that's definitely going to be announced in a couple of days. Last I talked to the guys, was running it anyway. So. Um, Oh, and exactly. uh, Twitch. You can watch it on uh, Twitch, right? Yes. Yeah, then Twitch yeah. stream is definitely on the Twitch stream, New Frontier Pro, and then on YouTube as well. The first few shows are up there in their entirety, and you can see me being a moron. Actually, on Twitch, the last one is the bar wire match I was talking about earlier in the main event of the this, this week on the Twitch, there will actually be uh, a just a compilation of all the, ma all the matches between you and Tyler Hill. Oh, really? Yeah. Fuck, so, I didn't learn something today. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna see the entire the, the entire feud uh, between uh, Jesse and Tyler, you can watch it. I don't like to big up my own shit. I like to say I'm pretty um, I will. It's it was awesome. Yes. Come on now. This is probably my best work, and the cool thing is, like, I'll be fully honest with you guys. I watched it from wrestling before you go to that. And it's not because of the wrestling, the death matches, is a whole bunch of other things. The only time that I was actually sober was when I was doing the death matches, which just goes straight up loopy I am. Um, but I ended up coming back, um, an opportunity presented myself, and like I've been sober for like five years now, so. Oh, yeah. So this has kind of been my comeback story, and I mean, something kind of came up, and it's like, I want to try to bring the lines a bit, let's tell a real story, you know, about why you left and somebody having legitimate heat, because I mean, like, I don't show it a show because I was too fucked up to show up. That's a true story. And the shitty part about it is I love this business so much that it kills me every single day. Um, but it just goes to show you, like, no matter how shitty it is, no matter how hopeless you feel, you gotta have that hope that you can't make it or get another side. The big secret is you just gotta want it, and that's it. As soon as you want it, you'll do it. Anyways. Anybody else with a question? Now I just kind of sombered the room. <laughs> <laughs> Richard. Worst thing you've ever been hit with? Worst thing I've ever been hit with? Probably a bat with the plastic forks. Stuck out on them. That's what the Probably because he can't be Kurt Angle. 
You know what I mean? That's a big pill for a wrestler to swallow, especially when you're at that level. Like, you go from being the best, you, I can't ever possibly get there anymore. You, you break your neck and win a gold medal and then wrestle for like 15, 20 years. Yeah. Where it takes a toll on your body. If I broke my neck, my wife would be like, no, you're not leaving this house, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> that guy goes on to sign a million dollar contract and... And then literally has a legendary career after. Yeah, like, absolutely. I believe that would be Jordan Grace stated, <laughs> stated it. So, yeah, she Call said. Yep. Why would she even bring that up? I don't. I don't know why. Why people do the do the do the things they do. I just talking 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 about it. All right. We have any more questions? You on the left. Yeah, so you talked about before about how like with in Japan, Japanese wrestling, the respect and the professionalism that it has to do. What is one of the most unprofessional things you would say? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, do you have a good one? I I know stories you've 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 mentioned, but I don't know if you uh, you want to actually mention it here. Bring them up because I'm probably blanking on a couple. Make me laugh. Um, when when someone walked into a into a locker room and first thing he does is slap the promoter's ass. What? Oh, <laughs> Good first thing. Oh yeah, it just uh, uh, that was uh, okay. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh at this shit. <laughs> All right. Um, For the longest time, there used to be wrestling was a boys' club, so you get a lot of really dumb. For the longest time, the dumbest one that used to happen is they used to like to drop their pants behind like the music guy and tap him on the shoulder. <laughs> that was probably up there. I've seen that like way too many times, and that guy's still worse than dressing nuts. I'm not gonna name names. I do have some limits. Um, that's definitely not something that I would condone. Um, when it comes to like unprofessional works in the ring itself, other than something outside of it, I would have to say what happened in Mexico um, when they turned oh. into a shoot at, I think it was at AAA or CFL. Yeah. Oh, see, it's like Star versus something. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. Star. Oh, yeah, that was probably yeah. one of the most unprofessional scenes I've seen. Yeah, when like, stuff like that happens, like I get it, you gotta be what's happening in the ring, but when it's unprovoked, that's when I have a problem. When you're trying to make sure that you're kind of being the guy that's on top, um, that would be definitely my number one. Uh, what Austin yeah. Aries did to uh, Johnny Mundo was oh, pretty, was pretty oh, yeah. bad. So I mean, yeah. like you don't. You don't take a finish and then literally take the piss out of it and just stand up, flip off the promoter, and then walk away. You know, you, you mentioned that literally almost almost exactly the same thing happened in WWE. Just yes, we did. Yeah, 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 they did. Just what happened with that? She said that she told her that she loves her. She's full of shit. What happened? Yeah, <laughs> full of shit. <laughs> All right, we have time for maybe like one or two more questions here. So you over there. Star Wars. So, um, the first one is obviously unfortunate rules and ethics, and you gotta shake everybody's hand when you get to the work. He used to be anyway. Yeah, not so much now. Following the rules and said you should. Yeah, it's an opinion or some should be kept. I kind of see where it, where it kind of comes from. There's parts of it that I don't like. Like, there's like an old school thing, like, you hear about folks, can I shake your hand? So like, if you're supposed to do a wrestling handshake, you're supposed to be like all like, yeah, you know what I mean, all loose. Because that lets the worker know he's wise. You know what I mean? It's like, when folks will shake hands, they come with a big grip, right? If they come with that big grip and shake hands like that, you know that he's not, <coughs> sorry. I just said, I didn't care about what happened. <laughs> Anyways, um, if they come with that big grip, um, it tells the worker, okay, this guy's not like what's going on, he doesn't know this rule, I need to make sure to protect the business around him. You know what I mean? It kind of gives that giveaway, like, who knows and who doesn't, who can you actually have these conversations with and who can't about. Fast forward to today, the internet happens, it doesn't really matter so much anymore. But there's uh, one underlying part of that that I do agree with and why I would say, yes, 100%, you should go around and shake everybody's hand, and that's because no matter what, if you have an ego, if you have 
anything like that. Um, you still have to, at the end of the day, understand that who you're, uh, who you're in the ring with. It's life or death for the both of you. The simplest move, somebody's breaking their neck, is happening. Um, and you gotta have enough respect and professionalism that no matter what, no matter how much of a problem, no matter how much of I think that you're an asshole, I have to have enough respect to be able to shake your hand, put it aside, shake your hand when I leave that and go back to your head. Um, and that's what that kind of shows. Um, that's what it was supposed to show, but everything in wrestling gets bastardized over time. Especially with the internet nowadays, it's like you don't shake someone's hand, that person goes on mics just like, oh, well, he's an asshole, he never fucking shook my hand. It's like, right? So it doesn't make any sense. It's like, I remember when I first learned that, and my trainer told me, you know, you gotta shake everyone's hand. And I looked and I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, that makes sense. You introduce yourself and shake somebody's hand. I'm not like an idiot. But no, like, it's a, it's a child's world sometimes. There's a lot of ego floating around. People think that I'm better than you, and then there's a competition because they want the better spots on the card. They want a bigger paycheck. That does happen. If you're in the main event, you're probably making more money. Um, because that's the way it is. People are coming to see you in the main event, not coming to see Johnny Dumpbuck and Smash You. Um, not so Johnny Dumpbuck, it's really good anyway. And there's a process. Um, so yeah, like I agree with it on 100%. However, to kind of take a bailout on that, I agree with it if it's taught properly in the way that it should be and brought into the point of what I was saying. Like, this is the history and the reason why. This is kind of why we're doing it now. Check your ego at the door. You don't like the guy, shake his hand, shake his hand when he leaves. Go back and not like him. But while you're here, nah. Be a professional. Be the professional professional. All right, we got time for one more question. So who wants one to more, take that one last me. question? Guy in the back of the table. Um, what was the match, like death match, that sort of inspired you to want to do death matches? Ooh, that's a good question. It would probably go back to Japan, which is a nice place to leave it off of. It would probably be IWA Japan, seeing Foley and Funk when I was a kid doing the barbed wire. Absolutely. Um, that made me go, what is up with wrestling now? Like, at that time, I'm used to, like, the cartoon shit. And now I see, like, this glimpse of something crazy. Um, and then I got led into ECW. My grandfather was a tape trader back in the day. I don't know if you guys are a person like how we used to do things before YouTube and stuff. Where like you'd basically be on like a fan list and then they'll dub your VHS tapes and everything else. And but like because of that, I got to see Japanese wrestling as a kid. I got to see Lucha Libre. I got to see ECW before ECW even had I watched the regional shows. So I got to see there's something else out there, and then like anyway, Japan came um, because my grandfather like shoot fight, um, basically UFC when like the rules are no eye gouging and like that was it. <laughs> um, so all that time and then everything else, um, I forget your question. Oh, was it? Oh, right. So, yeah. Um, seeing that definitely inspired me. And then watching ECW and seeing that there's another way. I'm well aware I'm not six foot nine and 375 pounds. And I'll be honest with you, I like big gators way too much. You <laughs> don't get that kind of body. Um, but Deathmatch kind of said, hey, you could do something else. There's a way to do it. Um, and at that time, like, okay, that's kind of cool. And I kind of followed it. And it wasn't until later on when, like, the indies were kind of changing, getting a little bit smaller, and then I needed something to stand out in, in Ontario and in Canada in general. That match isn't very big. There's not a lot of guys doing even basic hardcore. It was easy. I could stand out instantly. And if I did it in a way that I'm not like everybody else, where I'm just having the human jackass competition, I'm going out there telling a story, giving a damn every single step that I take, it should work. And you know what? I got to travel the world doing what I love. And sure, I didn't make a million dollars off it. Maybe it'll happen one day. I don't know. But you know what? I feel like a million dollars because I did what I loved. And I got to do something that most people never get to do in the lifetime. And that's doing what you said it would do when you were a child. So. And if you want to see more of what he doing, him doing what he loves, you can see him next weekend at uh, The Rock Pile. Uh, fighting for the New Frontier Grand Championship. Sure, so, Sam. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming out. Uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, Please.
Put your good morning, good evening. Oh no, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 gonna edit that in. No, I'm doing it right now. Oh, I'm oh, starting okay. off the uh, panel. Oh, nice. All right. Hey guys, some of you might know me as Justin Gilmet, aka host of Gilmet Talks, Podfather of the OIW Podcast Network. So for the people who actually know, I'm just gonna yeah. do this one time. Good morning, good evening, good night. How is everybody doing? Perfect. Yeah. Yep. We're good. Yeah, we're yep. all set up. We're good. Let everyone in. I'm gonna, uh, I'll do it since I have the jacket on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's true. Kick what? His ass. <coughs> hmm? Kick his ass. I know you did. Yeah. Well, I swear. Um. Sorry, Mom. I really don't know. Well, I swear. DG14? No, I'm trying not to, but like. Oh, it happens, it happens. Why does he have bags of stuff? Why do they have bags of stuff? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they probably came from the Hey guys! <laughs> I'm very good, I'm very good. This is, I'll be perfectly honest with you guys, this is my very first panel and I am so excited. Um, excited, nervous, terrified, you know. Uh, <laughs> I know, I... My buddy here's not a wrestling guy. Oh, yeah. The reason he knows him is because I showed him a clip with a bunch of thumbs up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know the comedy of Japanese wrestling well then, sir. Title belt. This is awesome. <laughs> can I can I ask everyone a huge favor? I just want to re 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 remember this. Can I just get a big thumbs up because of what that guy said? <laughs> Two seconds. The room is too big. <laughs> there we go, guys. Thank you so so much. I am excited that. More than my boys showed up. Um, <laughs> and that is it for my very first panel at Anime North and just conventions in general. I want to thank uh, Gilmy Talks and Jesse Omato for joining me on that. I had a fun, fun time hosting that panel. And I can't wait to do more because uh, OIW, we're going around. And uh, we're doing as many panels as we can at as many conventions as we can. So um, if you see us in your area, do come out. Uh, they're great panels. And also check out my panels, which uh, if you're in the furry or cosplay world, it's called Anthro 101, which is a hitchhiker's guide to the furry fandom, um, which is hosted by my first son of Fuzz Buttons. So um, I teach people that fandom and as well as I do furry yoga uh, every Sunday at 11 a.m. and you can check all the links and everything like that in the bios below um you all have yourselves a great day oh yeah also the patreon uh if you want to support this podcast and as well as everything that i do you can join me on patreon.com slash curtis rich which i want to give a special thanks to my patrons 
Uncle Bobby B, Brian Cannon, Gilmy Talks, Morgan Lee, Amanda Rich, Josh Collins, and Alan Launder. Thank you so much for supporting me. And of course, as always, you stay flexible. Your life, your health, and everything you do. I'm going to get married tomorrow. And I'm excited and nervous. I'll see you all next week where I'll have probably a lot to talk about. Stay flexible.